1: Good morning. It is so good to finally be with your church. I've been looking forward to this. And I've been knowing your pastor and his wife, of course, for a long time. Somebody asked me if I had dirt on them this morning when I came in. I have some great stories. How many of you would like to hear some of them? Yeah, Maybe we use that as a promotion for the evening meetings, right? No, actually, your pastor and his wife were two of the greatest students and Christians that ever came through the college when I was there. And so I know the kind of shepherd the Lord has given you in this church. And I'm really excited about that. He, he did a great job preaching in homiletics, but I know he has really become quite a Bible preacher and you're used to hearing God's word every week. And I'm happy about that. And so I have nothing new to add to that. I'm just trying to come alongside him this week and alongside the church. And I try to encourage you to keep on the same path you're already on because God is doing some amazing things in this church. Aren't you glad to be a part of something God is doing? Nothing like it in this world, and I thank the Lord for you and for the privilege to be together. Now, we're going to go to a certain book of the Bible this morning in the Bible study hour. When we get to this book of the Bible, if you'll mark your place in Scripture, we're going to return to it in the Sunday morning meeting, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, so you'll be ahead of all the people that didn't bother to come to Sunday school today. Aren't you glad about that? Uh, Let's open the Word of God together to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Now This is a book we do not go to often. And uh, frankly, I think it's a book we do not go to often enough because it is a book about life. How many of you are alive this morning? Would you raise your hand, please? Some of you were wondering about, you know, if your neighbor didn't raise their hand, check on them, please. Uh, It's a book about life. So if you are living, this is for you. Uh, It is also in the portion of scripture known as the wisdom books of the Bible. And dear Lord, we all need wisdom right now. So if you need wisdom, you go to the God of all wisdom, and Ecclesiastes is one of those books. Now, I'll say more about the book as we go along this week and more about particular portions. If you're looking at the book right now and seeing all 12 chapters and wondering, is he going to preach all of this? The answer is no, and all God's people said amen to that. Uh, But we're going to concentrate on certain portions that I think are helpful to us. And uh, every week, I, I preach in a different portion of Scripture. In part, I do that for me because I'm trying to stay fresh, not just rehash, rehash, rehash. And uh, so it's been a long time, frankly, since I've I've done much preaching out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, But in part, I do that because as I come towards a meeting, get closer to a meeting, I start praying, Lord, where in Scripture would you like for us to just camp for a few days? And I try to be led of the Holy Spirit to a certain part of the Bible. Uh, two or three weeks ago, I was in Zechariah. Some of you' saying, I'm glad we're not there this week. Actually, it was amazing, amazing portion of the Bible. Uh, last week we, we lived in Colossians 4. Uh, but as I prayed towards this meeting, I really believe God's led my attention to this book of the Bible. And your pastor did not know the emphasis I was going to place this week and it was just fascinating to me to hear him turn Isaiah 57:15 because I'm returning to that verse later today. And isn't that just like the Holy Spirit to connect things? Oh, I love to see when God does that. But let's begin with one verse. Shall we begin with one verse this morning? Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 5. and Just a verse, and we may look at some of the verses that follow this verse as we have our time this morning. But let's begin with Ecclesiastes 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. I want you to take a pen, if you will, and I want you to mark a phrase in Ecclesiastes 5, verse number 1. It is this phrase, when thou goest to the house of God. Now, let's just get this out of the way, all right? The house that Solomon is writing about is the house that he built, <laughs> right? He's writing about the temple. That was the, the place that was called the house of God. You remember early on in the Old Testament, it was the tabernacle, the tent of meeting they would put up, take down, put up, take down. And now finally, David wanted to build a house and God said, no, but your son can. So David got the things together and Solomon built it. And Solomon has built the temple and it was magnificent. Uh, you have a beautiful meeting place here. This is gorgeous. What God has given you as a church is wonderful, uh, and it's paid off. It's even better, right? So, hallelujah for that. But Solomon had built quite a quite a edifice for them to assemble and to bring the sacrifices to, and all of that. And it was it was fantastic, and uh, it was glorious. It was majestic. I mean, the Queen of Sheba is going to come and see it, and. And the people are going to come from all over the world to to see it. And they're going to talk about it. That was the house of God at that particular time. And yet this is fascinating to me. Solomon, who built that house, who dedicated that house, who initiated the, the worship to take place in that house, now backs up and says, I want you to know that simply going to that house is not enough. It matters how you go to that house. Now, we understand as New Testament Christians, we don't have a temple. I was just at the Temple Mount a few weeks ago in Jerusalem. And it's a fascinating place to stand on those, on those steps and imagine all that took place geographically in that part of the world. How many of you are glad we don't have to go to Jerusalem now to worship God? Yes. Uh, we can worship God everywhere. In fact, theologically, you are the house of God. Somebody said, where is the house of God? You are it. Because if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Anybody else happy about that? Which means you can worship God anywhere. No, you should worship God everywhere. So we don't just come to a location to worship God, but there is a principle here that should be applied. And it's the idea of when we approach God, we ought to approach God a certain way. You don't strut into the presence of a holy God. I'm sorry, you don't prance your way into heaven's throne room. You don't come on your own merit. You don't come flippantly, lightly, not if you really have a clear view of who God is. No. You see God a certain way, and when you see him high and holy and exalted and lifted up, when you see him that way, you approach him a certain way. So this verse is really all about how we approach God. Now, this is the first meeting. Of our series of meetings, we we call it a revival meeting. Only God knows if it'll really be a revival. I want it to be a revival. Uh, I would I would tell you something that may shock you a little bit. I have the the sense, just being around a little bit this morning, that really this church is already in a state of revival. You, did you do you know that sometimes people are in a state of revival and don't even realize it? Because sometimes we see revival as something, some event. It is not. I believe that that there is something better than a revival meeting and that's a revived life. And when you get around revived people who are wide awake to God and alert and in tune with heaven, you kind of sense that. The Lord's up to something here and it's really wonderful. But in this first meeting, what we're doing, we're saying, all right, Lord, for the next few days, we're going to just, seek you. We're going to approach your holy presence. We're going to open the word and let the word open us. How should we approach you, dear Lord? How should we come? And I love this thought. Solomon was wise enough to understand that with all of the, all the peripheral things, all the tangible, physical, material things that he had prepared, he understood that the most important thing was not physical. It was spiritual. It was not the externals, it was the internals. There's no substitute for that. In other words, what Solomon is teaching us in inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that if you're not careful, you can start going through all the motions and mechanics of your faith, all of the, all of the externals of religion. You can dot all the I's and cross all the T's. You can, you can go through all of that and everybody thinks, well, that's a really spiritual group. That's a really spiritual person. But if you're not careful, you miss God in the middle of all of that. Frankly, I think this is the scourge of Western Christianity. American Christianity is a long ways from Acts Christianity. And part of the reason for that is we have suddenly become so professional about our religion. We know all the hymns. We know all the answers to the Bible trivia questions. We know all the right places to say amen and God bless you. And somewhere we have missed the the substance of who God is. So when you come to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse number 1, Solomon says, hold the train just a minute. Before you get carried away going to the house of God, I want you to know that when you go, by the way, look at the operative word. Look at that verse. It doesn't say if you go. It says what? When you go. So you ought to approach God. You ought to approach him publicly. That's what we're doing today. You ought to approach him privately. That's what you do in your own devotional time in the word and prayer. Uh, But look please, whether it's public or private, it's all personal. You're approaching God personally. You're coming to God, to know God, to hear from God. When you come, here is the way you should come. Now there's a little key here to understanding what he's teaching. It is this word consider. Would you underline the word consider? He said, fools, foolish people, They come to the temple, they come to the religious form and function, but there's some things they just don't get. (laughs) They, They think they do, but they don't consider certain things. So let's flip it around. If they consider not, what should we consider? What should be in our minds? What should be on our hearts? What should be before our eyes spiritually if we're really going to approach God? Let me give you three of them. Would you write them down? And they all come right here from this verse. First of all, you ought to consider your feet. Notice where he begins. He says, keep thy what? Foot. Now, is he speaking just physically? Well, certainly you ought to be present. You should come. But he's he's presupposing you're coming, all right? He's... He's taken for granted that you're going to go to the house of God. Pastor, how wonderful is it to have church members that you don't have to wonder and worry if they're going to be there, right? And uh, for the record, I haven't asked your pastor anything about anybody in this room. And you know why I don't ask those questions? I don't want to know. I want to speak with liberty uh, and I want to say whatever the Holy Spirit tells me to say. But I do want to say this, I think when God's people gather together, This is deep. You ready? When God's people gather together, God's people ought to be there. Which means when there is an assembly, we ought to assemble. And we're living in a world where where church gatherings mean less and less, and people come if it's convenient, if I can work it into my schedule. We've had a really long day. I think this, from the very beginning, when God's people got together, God's people got together. Let me ask you a question. If I said to you, Jesus is coming to your church at midnight tonight, I mean, the Lord Jesus himself will be in this auditorium at midnight tonight. He'll be speaking tonight at midnight. How many of you would come? Would you raise your hand, please? You wouldn't just come. you call all your friends, all your neighbors. You'd come early. You'd fight for the front seats that nobody ever takes. You know what I'm talking about. You'd want to be present. The Lord is in the place. I want you to understand that every time God's people get together, the Lord is in the place. And you never know what God's going to do, what God's going to say when you're there. And so certainly when we consider our feet, it means we ought to be there. But it's more than that. This, this idea of feet is not just their, are present. It is a word of direction. In other words, there's a, there's a spiritual principle here. He's using the physical to help them see what he's saying to help them understand this deep spiritual truth. The idea of considering your feet means you better be careful when you come to, to meet with God, how you come. There's an idea of reverence here. And I want you to know that that is one thing that has been sorely lost among Christian people today. So little reverence. Can I tell you what I think part of the reason for that is? Uh, Scroll down, would you please, to verse number seven. He says, in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities. That's one of his favorite terms, you know, vanity, vexation of spirit. We'll talk more about that. But... Would you say the last three words of verse 7 would be, church? Ready? Fear thou God. I want you to connect the feet of verse 1 to the fear of verse 7. He says, Look, you're not just coming, you are approaching God reverently. You're fearing God. Do you remember when Moses met the Lord out on the backside of the desert? And what did God say? Take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. Look, consider your feet just a minute. Humble yourself enough to realize God is God and you are not. And where you are right now in the presence of God, that's holy ground. Could I just say today on the authority of the word of God, we are on holy ground today. I'm not suggesting you all take your shoes off right now, but Symbolically, you get the, the spiritual principle here. It is this, that when we come to the Lord, we come reverently to the Lord because of who God is. This Even this term, the house of God, does that sound familiar to anybody? Does that ring any bells, the house of God? Go all the way back, first mention of that, the house of God is Abraham coming to a place called Bethel, Right? And when he came to Bethel, the house of God, God met him there. Uh, then Jacob, next generation comes on his heels. By the way, every generation must come to God for themselves. So the aged saints among us, God bless you. Glad you're here today. Seek God's presence for yourself today. But you young couples and teenagers and single adults and folks just coming into all this, you must seek God for yourself. Every, every one of us must come to the house of God for ourselves. And this is really important. When you study Abraham and Jacob both coming to Bethel, it not only mattered how they came, it mattered how they left. In fact, I would challenge you, you study what happens to both of them when they leave the house of God. If they go the right way, God blesses them. If they leave Bethel and go the wrong direction, guess what? God puts roadblocks in their way and has to bring them back to Bethel, back into the presence of God. In fact, in one place, uh, Jacob comes back and says, this is not Bethel anymore. This is El Bethel. You know, that means the God of the house of God. In other words, he finally got it. He got beyond the place to the person. He, he realized this is not just, this is not just the, the form of worship. God is in this place. And so this expression meant a great deal to the children of Israel. It ought to mean a great deal to us. I want to approach God with such a holy reverence and humility that when I come to the house of God, I'm coming saying, Lord, I want to know you, and I want to leave different than I came. I want to leave your presence with my heart being transformed and changed. You ever hear somebody say, watch your step? That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying to us here. Watch your step. Watch your step as you come to meet with God and watch your step as you leave from these meetings because being in God's presence ought to change the way you walk and live every day of your life. So number one, consider your feet. Here's a second one. Consider your ears. Your ears. Look at the verse. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to what? Hear. My dad used to say to me when I was a boy, he said, Scott, God gave you two ears and one mouth so you'd listen twice as much as you talk. I don't think that's why God did that, but it's a good principle. He was teaching me, close your mouth and listen. And you know, part of the problem with talkers is we talk. We talk and talk and talk. And I wonder how many times we miss the voice of God. Even in church, we get at times either enamored or distracted by the voice of the preacher and we miss the voice of God. May I say to you, I don't care if you remember my name. Like two weeks from now somebody says, who preached the revival of your church? I do not care if you remember my name and I'm not under any false assumption that you're going to remember all the stuff I say for the next three days and that you're going to get my outline perfectly. Who cares about all of that? Let me tell you what I really want. I'd like to hear from God this week, and I'd like you to hear from God this week. I'd like you to know God spoke. Can you remember the, the prayer of Samuel? Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Why don't you make that your prayer right now? You don't even have to bow your head and close your eyes right now, just from your heart say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Now, wait a minute. If God's gonna speak, guess what we have to do? We have to hear. Yeah. See, we want God's revelation, but we, we're not always Concentrating on our response, our response is we have to be wide open to God. Are you in tune with the Lord today? I mean, are you really in tune with the Lord? You know, I've learned for me, for me, when I get up in the morning, I've got to get my heart and mind alert and awake. Uh, Coffee helps with that. And all God's people said amen to that. Uh, But more than that, I've got to get spiritually in tune with the Lord. I got to get on his frequency because I don't always wake up on his frequency. Every now and then I wake up with a spiritual thought, but most of the time I'm thinking like I want to think and I got to start thinking like God wants me to think. Do you hear the music in this room right now? It's beautiful. Listen to it. Listen carefully. It's beautiful music. You say, this preacher's lost his mind or his hearing. There's no music in this room. Oh, yes, there is. And if you brought me a radio right now and let me tune the dial, the frequency, Somebody in this room would say, oh, we listen to that channel in the car. Oh, I recognize that voice. Oh, I know that song. Well, wait a minute. It was here all along. But something had to get on the same frequency to receive what was already in the air, the radio waves that were already here. May I say to you, it's not a question of if God's going to speak this week. God always is speaking. The one who is the word has a whole lot to say. The one who is truth wants to be heard. The question is not, will God open his mouth? The question is, will we open our ears? That's always the question. Are we ready to hear? Are you ready to hear? I mean, are you really willing for God to say to you whatever he wants to say to you? On Sunday mornings, I get a lot of text messages from preachers across the country and always kind and encouraging and praying for you today, wherever you are. And and I try to pray for them and respond back. And this morning, I got a text message from a man I really don't know well in Michigan. There are Christian people in Michigan. Did you know that? And he's a pastor there. And he texted me this morning. And I think, I think I've been in his presence once. And in his text message today, he said to me, I'm just praying for all of us today that God will help us, even as we are preaching, to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that whatever God says to us today, we will say that. Whatever God says to us today, we will obey that, even if it's not what we planned, even if it's not what we we had in mind. I thought, what a fascinating thing, the the Lord's message to the messenger this morning. You see, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us. I'm saying to you, all of us have to learn how to give more attention to what God is trying to say to us. Let me show you what I'm saying. Turn over to Matthew with me for just a minute. We're talking about being open to God and ready to hear and willing to receive. Look at Matthew chapter 13 with me for just a minute. I hadn't planned to take you here, but let me show you. I think it'll help you. If you have a red letter edition Bible, words of Christ are in red. That doesn't mean they're more of the word of God than the rest of it. But I do think it's fascinating to see this. In Jesus' first parable arguably the foundational parable of all the rest of them because he told the disciples, if you don't get this one, you won't understand the rest of them. It's the key that unlocks the door of blessing. Look at Matthew 13 and verse number nine. Matter of fact, let's just read it out loud together. Ready? Matthew 13, verse nine. Ready? Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, let's read it one more time. Ready? Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Read it to the person next to you. Turn and face that center next to you and read it to them. Ready? Here we go. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Read it to the person on the other side. Ready? Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Read it back to me. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. What do you think the great message is? Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. I'm brainwashing you. That's what I'm doing, you see and it's the washing of water by the word, you see. What did Jesus say to them? He said, look, the sower can come, the seed can be planted, but if your ears aren't open, Spiritually speaking, if you aren't ready to receive, you're not going to get anything. I'm going to tell you the saddest thing that happens in meetings like this. I'm in special meetings almost every week of my life. I'm going to tell you the saddest thing that happens in special meetings. There's all this preparation that's done and all these people that come and somebody comes in to preach the word of God and tries to obey the Lord and gives the truth of God's word and God speaks to people. God really speaks to people. But there are people in the room that it totally passes them by. And, And the meeting comes and goes. The preacher comes and goes. The messages come and go. And they missed it entirely. And when it is done, they are exactly the same as they were before it started. In fact, no, they're not the same. They're worse shape because they heard a lot of truth, but they did not make it their own. They did not personalize and internalize the truth. Go to the end of your Bible. Go to Revelation just for a second. You see, like bookends, the New Testament opens and closes with the same thing. Look at Revelation 2. Words of Jesus again. Christ is still speaking. Who's he speaking to in Revelation 2 and 3? The churches. May I say to you, Jesus has a lot he wants to say to this church. How many of you church members would like to hear what Jesus has to say to your church this week? All right, here's the secret. Look at verse number 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Look at verse number 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Look at verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Look at verse 29. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Chapter 3, verse 6. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse 13. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. One more time, look at verse 22. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. How many of you get the idea the Lord's trying to tell us something? He's trying to say that as surely as Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, get your ears on, listen now, the Holy Spirit in the church age, the Spirit of Christ is seeking to speak to every one of his churches and he has a word for every one of his churches, but we have to consider our ears and be ready to hear. Well, a little footnote before we go back to our text. May I say this? The only way God speaks to churches is he speaks to Christians in those churches. See, preachers preach to crowds. The Holy Spirit speaks to individuals. So everybody says, well, I really want God to work in our church this week. Then let God work in you. Stop worrying about everybody else. Isn't that what we do? I show up in meetings, pastor, folks say, I tell you, preacher, we really need revival. What they mean by that is these other people really need to get right with God. No, no. What's the words of the old spiritual? Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So you consider your feet, you consider your ears. Let me give you one more. Go back to Ecclesiastes 5. You consider your mouth. (laughs) My mouth? I thought you were doing the preaching this week, preacher. Mm, Look at it carefully. He says, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. What is the sacrifice of fools? Keep reading, look at verse number two. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest to vow to God, defer not to pay it. For he had no pleasure in fool's pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? Do you understand I'm not the only person going to do talking this week? No, we all are. Do you know how we most grieve the Holy Spirit of God? By our words. If I had time, I'd share that in the New Testament. See, we talk about grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, and we talk about the worst fleshly sins. You ought to read Paul's letters again. Because you know what grieves the Holy Spirit? Sins of the Spirit. Anger and wrath and jealousy. What comes out of our mouth grieves the sweet, lovely Holy Spirit of God. And he says, when you come to the house of God, consider your feet. You come, you come reverently. And consider your ears, you, you come humbly, Lord, speak to me and consider your mouth. Watch this, please. You come sincerely, not just with words, dear Lord, let it be more than words this week. Too much talk, not enough walk. Too much of the, of the religious cliches in our worship. I mean, let's just get blunt for a minute. Just too much of us knowing the right things to say, let it be more than words. And look, it's not the multitude of words either. You know what I thought of when I read this? The Pharisees, who thought they would be heard for their much speaking. Do you know sometimes in meetings when God really moves in on a place, people stop worrying about everybody else listening to them, and they start realizing it only matters what God hears. And they stop trying to impress everybody too. They get low when God gets high, and suddenly there's brokenness. Sometimes, and look, I like amens in church, but sometimes conviction just brings a holy hush because you realize it's not about my words anymore. God speaking. Let's all just be still before the Lord and let him be God. And this, I'm going to tell you the dirty secret. There's a little Pharisee in all of us. Sure there is. Isn't it funny how you can spot the Phariseeism in somebody else and miss the Pharisee in you? We all got a little hypocrite in us. And we all want to be what other people think we are, what we want to say we are. We are what God knows us to be. He says, consider your mouth. Just, Just close your mouth for a minute and listen. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Do you remember what scripture taught early in the Old Testament? To obey is better than sacrifice. You see, he said they're bringing their animals and they're doing their thing and they're going through worship, but they missed the heart of the whole thing. What is it? It must be obedience to God. Dear Lord, in my prayer, I want to be sincere and true. Lord, in my praise and in my worship, I want to be real and I want to be right with you. And the things I commit to do, I don't want to just say it. I want to do it. I don't want to just be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. I want to leave different than I can. Look, if nothing's going to change this week, I'd rather just go home this afternoon, if it's all the same with y'all, because I'm not traveling for my health and I didn't come just to give a handful of sermons. Look, if all we do is assemble and I preach and you nod your heads and take really good notes and we end up with a head full of knowledge and a page full of notes and a heart empty of God, I tell you, we have wasted our time and I have wasted my breath. Because when we come to the house of God, we're coming to know the God of that house. And this is what struck me this week as I was meditating on this verse and thinking about about the truth of it. You know what he's really saying? He's really not saying, consider your feet. He's really not saying consider your ears, and he's really not saying consider your mouth. You know what he's really saying? Consider your heart. In fact, he says that, look please at verse number two. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Well, look, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know what the Lord's really after? Our heart. And here's the fascinating thing. When he gets your heart, he gets your feet, he gets your eyes, he gets your ears, he gets your mouth. He gets everything, doesn't he? Because the whole thing is this, is my heart right with God? Matter of fact, let me just show you something. Compare scripture to scripture. Go back a few pages to Proverbs chapter 4 for a second. Because Solomon wrote this too, interestingly enough. So connect them in your your Bible and in your thinking. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep thy, what's the next word, church? Circle that in your Bible. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And keep reading. Look at verse 24 and 25 and 26 and 27. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or the left. Remove thy foot from evil. What's he saying? He's saying when you get your heart right, you'll come with your heart. When you get your heart right, you'll listen with your heart. By the way, there's a big difference between people listening with their, with their minds and listening with their heart. And when you pray and you open your mouth, you speak from your heart. I'll tell you what real revival is. Real revival is when people get heart deep with God. It gets beneath the surface. It gets beyond just the norm. And we say, all right, Lord, be thorough with me. <laughs> And I'm going to warn you, if you pray that prayer, be careful. He will. He'll put you under the spiritual x-ray machine, the light of his word, and the Holy Spirit will take the scapel of God and start opening things up and showing you things. And it can be painful. Oh, but it's wonderful. You know why? Because God is bringing you nearer and nearer to himself. Look, please, when you come to the house of God this week, come reverently and sincerely. And most of all, come obediently. Lord, I want to hear what it is you have to say to me. And I want to do whatever it is you tell me to do. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Now I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. But before I pray, I want you to pray. We opened this morning in prayer. Let's let's close this particular hour in prayer. Would you just pray right now for yourself? I want you to pray for yourself first.
0: If this Bible message has been used of God in your life or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Paul's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible-preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit. And don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.